Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Visit us soon at our new State College location. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Johnny McGonigal. All right, guys, Blue White Breakdown time. Johnny McGonigal, Bob Flounders joining you. It's kind of like week zero for us, Johnny. Like the, the the Penn State opener is a little more than a week away, Thursday night at Purdue. And uh, this is hopefully going to be a quiet week on the Penn State front. But I know we just jinxed us. I just jinxed us. But we're going to we're gonna talk a little bit about what we kind of think about how Penn State's summer practices have gone. Excuse me. And uh, I also have a question for you about uh, a, a quarterback by the name of Sean Clifford. But anyway, how are you doing What's new in Pittsburgh? You and I are going up to a Penn State practice later today. How are things going for you, Bob? I'm I'm confused. Is this a Penn? I thought we were talking about House of the Dragon, the new HBO show that just <laughs> dropped on Sunday. I don't know. I don't know. I was supposed to be ready for Penn State. No. Um, <laughs> did Did you watch or no? Are you a fan of Game of Thrones? I, I was a fan of Game of Thrones, but I did not get around. I wasn't even aware that they were debuting that spinoff. I guess it was on Sunday, but. I'll definitely get caught up on it. Game of Thrones was really good. I, c- I can already tell that you're a GOT guy. So was the first episode worth it? It was. I, I answered it with no expectations whatsoever. I'm, I'm excited to come back to it on Sunday. Uh, let's put it that way. So I'm, I like it a lot. And yeah, looking forward to chatting the uh, Nittany Lions with you here, Bob. Yes. Before we get to the Nittany Lions, like, is, the game, is Game of Thrones on your list of all-time series? I, obviously, it's way up there. Is it number one? And if it's not number one, like give me like your top three or four. Yeah, so Game of Thrones was up there until the last season, uh, until uh, until Brand wanted to just you know say why do you think I came all this way? Uh, that was really that was really brutal. Um, Succession's up there. Entourage is up there. Uh, yeah, the, the, those the, Succession is just so good. And and if that's that's one where if if any of our listeners and readers have not watched Succession, I cannot recommend a show more. Uh, I like uh, some of the shows that have actually concluded. I was a big fan of The Wire, obviously The Sopranos, but uh, I've seen Succession. That's certainly a good show. Um, A lot of interesting characters on that show. But I think Game of Thrones really, regardless of the series finale, like each episode was almost like a movie. And they they did it for a long time and they did it at a very high level. So I, I really, I really enjoy that. If no one has seen the Game of Thrones and they want to start it, with an eye towards the spinoff, I heartily recommend it. Just maybe don't watch this the uh, series finale. Much higher opinion of it. The Sopranos is like my big blind spot. I've never seen it. It's well worth your time. And uh, maybe after Penn State season, you could start watching The Sopranos because that's another one that's really, uh, I mean, it, it is, I think, 
along with the Game of Thrones. I, I think those two stand out uh, as far as HBO series. Another one I like that the fans probably don't know about. There's a series on HBO, HBO called Deadwood. It's about uh, like the wild, wild west, I think, in the 1800s. I think it was it's set in South Dakota, but there's a lot of really, really talented actors that got their really kind of made a name for themselves on that show. It lasted, it lasted two or three years, but it was one of those shows that uh, the mark to me of a good show, Johnny, and I think the Game of Thrones was like that, is you, and, and Sopranos. You never know who's going to get killed. And to me, that is a show that is not like homogenized and we got to keep everyone we got to keep everyone together to the end and let's let's make it really predictable because everyone loves it not not these shows uh you never knew who was going to get it and deadwood's like that too so anyway enough about non-penn state football stuff johnny i want to talk to you about you kind of had a catbird seat last year so sean clifford right sixth year 24 fourth year as starting quarterback if you look at his numbers uh, career numbers, you know, there, there's not a lot of Penn State quarterbacks that have better numbers. Part of that is because he's played, he's, I think he's made like 32 or 33 starts. Uh, part of that is the game has changed lately and Penn State up until about, you know, a decade ago, really, you know, not necessarily the most pass-oriented team. In, in the, they like to balance and they like to run the ball. So, you know, and quarterbacks didn't usually start more than one or two years. But anyway, so Sean Clifford, you know, is is on the precipice of probably leaving Penn State you know, with all the records. But what I wanted to ask you about is Penn State fans and maybe some media members are a little skeptical of him this season. And it's like, well, what is his ceiling? Does he does he have any room to grow? Is it going to be the same old story? You know, I think you got to see somebody last year at Pittsburgh, Kenny Pickett, who I would say going into last year, if you looked at if you looked at Sean Clifford's numbers and Kenny Pickett's numbers, I'd say they're they're pretty similar. Sean actually might have been a little bit better statistically, and and Kenny Pickett in the, the Mark Whipple offense just went off and had just a magical year. Was good from start to finish, produced in every game. You know he's now in Steelers camp, and the way that he's playing, he might have that starting job sooner rather than later. My my question for you is, with Sean in mind, how surprising what were you? How surprised were you by by what Pickett did? And did you kind of have? Was there anything? you saw in the offseason leading up to 2021 that led you to believe that, man, this guy might really, really be one of the top college quarterbacks in football. Yeah, it's interesting because you mentioned the the stats. Uh, I think actually, yeah, Clifford had uh, a handful more touchdowns than, uh, than Pickett did. Uh, but when you look at the narrative, it was pretty similar, right? So Kenny Pickett is this guy who's been a starter for, uh, you know, a couple of years. He's, you know, the face of the program in that respect. And, Entering last season, I remember I had a sit-down interview with him in June 2021, and and he told me that he came back because he thought that he, he believed he could be a first-round pick. And look, I'm not going to lie, when I left his house, I, I was like, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to really include that in the story because I don't really know <laughs> how, how feasible that is. Uh, but he believed. And, and the main reason why, we had a 40-minute conversation. More than half of it was about his relationship uh, with offensive coordinator Mark Whipple and how much trust. He had not only in him as a coordinator, right, their play call, that, that, that bond that they had, but the offense that he was so familiar with. And that, that was, you know, that was Pickett's third year in the system. So uh, a little bit more familiarity, a little more comfort than maybe what Sean Clifford has with Mike Yersich. But, you know, last week when we're, you know, in the BJC media room uh, after, the, after the guys are playing some laser tag, 
uh, we got to talk to Sean Clifford and I was asking him about Mark, Mike Yersich in that in year two. And I know a lot's been written about that. A lot's been, you know, uh, opined about Clifford not having a coordinator as a starter for a second year and all that. And so uh, I'm sure he's maybe sick of answering about it, but he seemed actually energized about it. He seemed excited. Uh, he was talking about how, hey, this is something that we've talked about for a long time, but uh, to actually see that relationship and see, you know, the, the communication, and it's not just from him, but the offensive line, the wide receivers, uh, the entire offense as a whole, how they're gelling, uh, you know, in camp, two weeks in, two weeks away at that point from the opener against Purdue, you could sense the excitement. And that's something that I took away from Kenny Pickett uh, before his breakout season was that he was excited about the offense. He was excited about uh, what was to come. And I think you could say that that, that narrative, that, that there's that similarity uh, with Clifford. And you also saw Parker Washington last year, you know, under the, you know, under the shadow, maybe a little bit of Jahan Dots, but he had a great season. And, and you saw, you're like, all right, yeah, there's more there. Um, and so I think, you know, with him and Mitchell Tinsley um, and Keandre Lambert-Smith, I think he has the weapons to go ahead and put forth that, that knowledge and that, that understanding that he's got. What do you think was where Kenny made the biggest jump? Was it, uh, the completion percentage went way up. Was he better at getting through his reads? You know, having Jordan Addison uh, having a freakish season at, at a very young age. What what was the one thing he really, in your mind, elevated uh, that final year? Or was it? Did he just elevate everything? Yeah, I mean, everything was elevated. You know, when you have that kind of season, when you're Heisman Trophy finalist, you, you're kind of you're checking all the boxes, right? Uh, and Addison did have a great year, winning the Blitnikoff, and he just certainly deserves credit for that. The two biggest things for me with Pickett watching him last season was pocket awareness and getting through his reads. And I think those two are kind of intertwined, but having a feel for what's around you. Um, and, and that situation is a little bit different because he had uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of, you know, the same offensive linemen. And I know there's, there's some shakeup at Penn State when you look at uh, what's going to be in front of Sean Clifford this year. But, you know, just an understanding of your surrounding. And that comes with age, that comes with experience, that comes with games played. Um, and so when, when you're comfortable in your surroundings, you're comfortable in the pocket, you're getting through your reads. And so, yeah, I, I think that's, that's an area that we could see Sean Clifford, uh, make a jump at. And, you know, I don't think his pocket awareness was necessarily bad per se, you know, over the last couple of years. But, um, I think, you know, with experience, that's one area where you can see a jump. That, that's, that's the type of thing you see from a six year senior is that, uh, you know, you talk about a ceiling, right? And then what, uh, what you know can possibly be achieved, and, and what can how that ceiling can be pushed. Um, I think pocket awareness and getting through your reads are, are, is a main thing for for a veteran guy, for a senior guy. Yeah, I also get the sense that Sean's a smart guy. I think he knows that this year is really going to shape his legacy at Penn State. Right? I think I think right now the narrative is headed one way, but I think uh, uh, you know if this is his best year at Penn State, and it certainly could be, Johnny. I think he wants to be remembered maybe a little bit differently at Penn State. He's certainly put the time in. Uh, he's got the tools. He's got the skill guys, I think, running back, wide receiver, and tight end. I mean, he's going to need some help from his tight end. There's no question. He's gonna, he's, I think Mike Yersich is probably going to have to improve as a play caller. You know, but I think ultimately when you look at a quarterback and how they're remembered at a, at a major program, I think it really comes down to how did he play in their biggest game. I think Sean can have can improve all of his numbers, but he's going to have to beat somebody this year. I think that maybe he hasn't he hasn't beaten before, or maybe a win at Michigan. You know, if if they could somehow beat Ohio State, they're going to have to do something. A win in the bowl game, because if you look at, at his time at Penn State and the teams that they've beaten, I mean, he's obviously won a lot of games, but I don't know how many big games he's won. 
Uh, yeah, I, I think I saw a tweet the other day uh, where he's about 2,000 yards away from being Penn State's leader in passing yards. He's about 15, 16 touchdowns away from, and, and he'll as long as he stays healthy, he'll hit those and and he'll you know walk away from his Penn State career as you know leaders in passing yards, touchdowns, and several other categories, completions. But when he looks back on his career and he's looking at, hey, I'm, I'm atop the record books, that's great. But you know, if they go eight and four this year and they don't win and they don't beat, like you said, you know, go, go on the road at Michigan, uh, you know, beat in Ohio State, maybe finish the year strong with a good win against Michigan State into a you know into a good bowl game. Yeah, he'll look back and I'm sure and say, hey, this may be a missed opportunity or you know, feel a little emptiness. And certainly Penn State fans will feel that way too. Because you look at the guys that he'll be passing, you know, Trace McSorley holding a lot of records. And he won a Big Ten title. You know, he he has that on his resume. He has that on his legacy. Clifford, he has an opportunity this year to go out and, and nab one of those big wins, um, whether it's an Ohio State, Michigan bowl game, whatever. But I'm sure he wants to be you know remembered more for just uh, more than just stats. He's a guy. He is the guy. The quarterback's always the guy, right? But a, a veteran quarterback, you know, in his sixth year, uh, more comfortable in the system. He's got some weapons around him. Um, he's going to be the guy that everyone's going to be focused on. So we'll see. And he's going to have to. He's going to have to be good early in the season. So that actually might be. That could be actually a blessing. You know, he's going to have to be locked in pretty early because it, it sure looks like Penn State and Purdue. I don't think it's going to be a twenty to seventeen game, Johnny. I think I think both quarterbacks are going to have to make some plays in the fourth quarter for their teams to win. So he's going to have to be dialed in pretty early. But I was going to say, speaking of the schedule. Now, you and I, Dave Jones, Joe Hermit, we've all made our Penn State predictions. I think they're not coming out till uh, later this week. But I just wanted to get your sense of the Penn State schedule this year. Maybe we'll just look at a couple of games. I think the, the game that could be the potential trap game, you know, um, the games that really Penn State needs to win this year, almost must-win games. Because, you know, we're, we're talking about the expectation in the last couple of years um, after after going four and five and then you know seven and six last year, it's been a while since Penn State's been you know one of the better teams not only in the Big Ten but nationally. They have a chance to do that this year. But to me, if they if they don't win at least eight games this year, and the eighth the eighth win could come in the bowl game, as far as as I'm concerned. But I think it would be better it would be better off for Penn State if they could win eight games in the regular season. I think they really – they don't need to win back the fans, Johnny, but I think the fans – I don't know that they're maybe as excited that they, as they usually are at the start of the season because they're a little nervous. They don't know what they have in this Penn State team. They lost a ton of players on the defensive side that are really good. They lost Jahan Dotson. You know, so it's, it is it is not an easy schedule. So when you look at this schedule, even though this, this – you were, you were covering Pitt the last couple of years. I know you know the Big Ten pretty well. Uh, let's just start with this. What are the games you think Penn State really almost has to win for this team for this season to go according to plan, James Franklin's plan and, and for it to be turned to success? I think the biggest one, and it's not the biggest game of the year, because we all know that's Ohio State and it's at Michigan. I think the biggest game in that regard, though, is the Minnesota Whiteout. You, you can't lose, and I know that Minnesota is a good team. I actually put them in my at the tail end at 25 in my uh, preseason top 25. I think they're quietly one of the better teams in the Big Ten. Tanner Morgan coming back for his 97-year quarterback. Um, and, you know, Kirk Soraka as well as the coordinator there. I think I think Minnesota's a solid team. But you can't lose uh, to a non-Ohio State and non-Michigan whiteout. You can't do it. 
Um, and so I think you, you win that game and you, know, you obviously you, you beat the Rutgers and, the, and you know, Maryland and Indiana. And, uh, but I think that Minnesota game, especially where it is on the schedule sandwich uh, in between Michigan and Ohio state. Yeah. Okay. Losing at Michigan, you know, at Ann Arbor, that's, yeah, it's not acceptable, uh, but it's understandable. Losing against Ohio State, this iteration of Ohio State, Brown and you know Jackson Smith and Jickman and all that, that's understandable. The losing three in a row and one of them being a home whiteout uh, against Minnesota, uh, fans would not accept that. Uh, so I, I think I think that's really the big one. And given where it is on the schedule, I think it's important. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that game. I think. And Dave Jones never agrees with me. He's he's made up his mind on PJ Fleck. I think PJ Fleck. I I'm not I'm not so sure he's not a top ten or top fifteen coach in the in the country. I just think sure he he comes off one way at the podium at Big Ten media days when you know the, the sales pitch and you know the optimism and all that stuff. But I still think on game day and also on the practice field, I think he's a really really good coach. I think he gets the most out of his teams every year. He obviously had a very good team in 2019, and there was really nothing fluky when they upset Penn State. You know, I think it was in early November when Penn State was unbeaten. That was a good team. They had some really good players on that team, and some of them I think are playing in the NFL. But the funny thing about the Minnesota game is you you could almost, Johnny, make a case that that is a trap game just because of where it sits. They go to Michigan, and they're going to be sky high for that one. And then right behind Minnesota is Ohio State. So I'm sure they'll be up for it, but it's also uh, – it's a very precarious spot on the schedule. Um, but you're right. If if you could make a case that they could lose all three of those games, and that would be a disaster. So I, I don't think that's going to be an easy game by any means, and I do, I do think they have to win it. But it also – it might fall in the most difficult spot on the schedule when, you're, when, when it's in between uh, Michigan – and Ohio State. So I do think, I think that is a really tricky game. I would say the game on the schedule I looked at, it's easy to say Purdue. I think the season ending game against Michigan State, I think Mel Tucker has shown he can do it a little differently, maybe via the transfer portal, but he's a good coach. They were coached very well last year. I was impressed by what they did to Penn State last year. And, you know, they're, they're a team that is, I think, picked in the top 15, I think, in the coaches and the AP poll. Uh, they do have a veteran quarterback. They have a good wide receiver. They got a bunch of kids in from the transfer portal. It is for the Land Grant Trophy. Let's not forget about that. But that, to me, feels like a game where the winner of that game is going to have a chance maybe to go to a really good bowl game. And the loser is probably headed to, you know, wherever teams with four or five losses go, whether it's, you know, the Citrus Bowl or the Outback Bowl, the Pinstripe Bowl. I, I think that that game... Penn State's going to have a good season. I think they're going to have to win that game, and that's going to have to be a meaningful game for both teams. So those are two games I really – the Minnesota game, the Michigan State game, they're both at home. Those are two games I definitely have my eye on. This is the Blue-White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our locations, including our new state college dispensary located at 1248 South Atherton Street. Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours. Johnny, is there a game, you know, last year, Illinois, right? 
No one saw that coming. I still can't believe they lost it. Is there a game that Penn State needs to be really careful uh, this year? Maybe a team that is that is is being overlooked this year, or a team that did not play well last year that could play well this year. Is there a game where you think they better be careful and they better come to play? I mean, maybe Maryland. I think is one. I think they've upped their talent under Mike Loxley. Uh, you know, Raheem Jarrett is a guy who everyone in the country wanted at wide receiver and. Uh, he's a big talent. They've got a few other guys as well in that program that you, you can't take a team like that lightly. Indiana, I don't know. I I was down on Indiana last year, and they were they were well below everyone's expectations. You know, going to Bloomington after facing Ohio State, I really think that I really think the bye week this year for them. I really don't think that did them any favors with the way that it is right after you play you know, Michigan, Minnesota, Ohio State, and then on the road. I think the bye week was you know unfortunately placed for Penn State this year let's put it that way but um, that Maryland game is one that I'm looking at just because you know it's sandwiched in between two you know should be wins with Indiana and Rutgers and you get Michigan State to finish off the year I agree with you by the way on Michigan State um, because you look at what that program is you know is becoming potentially under Mel Tucker uh, I don't think you want to go 0-2 there back-to-back uh, -back years especially at home and uh, that, that could be a game that is deciding between hey is, are we an 8-4 team are we a 9-3 team Maybe, you know, maybe you beat Auburn and you beat Minnesota. You lose to Michigan, you lose Ohio State. Maybe that's the tournament between 9-3, and 10-2. and two. Uh, it's, You know, there's potential for that, obviously. So I think that's a that's a big swing game. It's hard to call game-ending, you know, season-ending game as a swing game. Uh, but I think in terms of, you know, what you want um, out of your program and, and how you're figuring, how you're thinking going into 2023, you know, who are the, the contributors going to be at that point? You know, is Nick Singleton your guy at that point? So I think I think there's a lot that goes into those final you know two three games. Yeah, I can I can I just can't pull the trigger on Rutgers. Uh, Rutgers is a team that everyone's oh Greg Schiano's a great coach. It's in, it's in New Jersey. Who cares? I mean, Piscataway is not exactly a home field advantage. I know you're a Jer you're kind of a Jersey guy a little bit, but I, the Rutgers home field advantage isn't really anything super special. I know they've they've kind of. They they've all, they snuck up on Michigan, I think, a couple years ago, and every once in a while they, they'll play somebody close. But, man, Penn State uh, in Big Ten play has really, really never had much of an issue with Rutgers. So I can't say that. The team I can almost never figure out, Johnny, on a year-to-year -year basis, I just don't know which is it going to be the good version or the is Northwestern. I just do not, do not understand how that works with with uh, Pat Fitzgerald because there there were a couple of years of like hey man they finally arrived he's a great coach you know they go they go four and eight you know they lose all their non conference games to teams they should have beaten and there's other years where I don't think they have anything and the next thing you know they're in, either in the Big Ten title game or you know they're, they're knocking off Penn State he's beaten them a couple times when Franklin's been here I just don't know what to make of this team the fact that they they always have one or two really talented players and, and they, they play a style of football that they're kind of tough to pull away from. And if it's a game in the fourth quarter, you could be in trouble. I just don't know what to make about Northwestern this year. I know Penn state gets them at home, but that to me is maybe the most mysterious team. I think on Penn state schedule. Now I know as we're talking about this, they're going to play in Ireland, I think on Saturday against uh, Nebraska. And I think it's a noon kickoff, which means it's like, they play it on like Monday night, I think, in Ireland. I'm not sure what the time difference is, but I mean, I, I'm going to be excited to watch it because it's a Saturday and there's a Big Ten game on. But that's the team on P Penn State schedule. I'm just not, I can't get a read on. I think they're easy to overlook, but 
I think he is a good coach, and they're they're coming off a really really down year, so I'm a little worried about maybe how good they might be this year. Yeah, Northwestern, you, you can't overlook them. Like you said, it, it feels like every other year they're either three and nine or nine and three or eight and four. I think you can safely overlook Rutgers. Um, I think you can, you know, even if it, you know the, the the you know the fortress that is uh, Piscataway uh, down there in Jersey. I, I like the Jersey Shore. I'm obviously I'm a Philly guy, but Jersey Shore guy, not a Piscataway in November guy. Uh, let's let's put it that way. Um, so I think I think they'll be all right there. Uh, but yeah, Northwestern, you never know. Pat Fitzgerald always coaches his teams tough. Um, well, he kind of like, you know, a PJ Fleck uh, normally gets the most out of his teams, but then some, you know, some years you're just like, why, why is this team four and eight? Uh, no idea. Yeah. Northwestern, you, you never know. I mean, Ohio, uh, you know, flashbacks of 2012. Uh, remember, remember that? Uh, that was Bill O'Brien's first game. Yeah. That, that game went horribly wrong. Uh, yeah, Gerald Hodges fumbled a punt, which is weird because he should have never been back there to catch a punt. But Bill learned a little thing. I think he had his team – he worked his team a little too hard in, in August camp, and they didn't have really have their legs in the second half of that game. It was an okay Ohio team, but, man, Penn State was never really in that game. They would get a lot better as the season went on. But that one – that was – I thought after that game, and then they lost the Sam Ficken game, right, at Virginia – I'm like, is this team going to win three in games? And I'm, I'm like, they're they're short on talent, scholarships, no bowl game. Like, is this the end of Penn State's program? Not only did they they, win, they go, I think they went eight and four. But other than the Ohio State game was probably the they should have beat Nebraska. I think they probably outplayed Nebraska. They beat Wisconsin, which went to the I think they went they won the they went to the Rose Bowl that year. I mean, that was a good team. But yeah. I know that's a tangent, but I'm not worried about Ohio this year. And if they lose to Ohio this year, Johnny, it's it's not it's it's going to get a little it's going to get a little snarly at Beaver Stadium the rest of the fall. But I would expect that should be a, a game that hopefully we'll get to see all the young quarterbacks at some point in the second half. I think that would make the fan base happy. Hopefully, yeah. we'll have our stories written by the third quarter for that. Yeah, that's all I care about is like how how early. <laughs> Can we start on our stories? Because more often than not, when Penn State plays, especially in the Big Ten, if it's a 3.30 game or a night game, the game's going to be in doubt until the fourth quarter. We're not going to be able to really get started. So that's a selfish reason on our part. But I do think, as we wrap up this Blue White Breakdown podcast, Johnny, I think you and I both agree that this Minnesota homecoming game at night, the whiteout, everything kind of aligned seemingly for Penn State. But this is a big, really, really big game, I think, on Penn State's schedule. A, because of where it falls. B, because Minnesota, I think, is a talented team. It's a Kirk Scirocco revenge game. I'm going to keep saying it, that I think Kirk might have a little something-something for Penn State. But I, it's a it's a game, I think you're right. Like, if they lose that game, and I think they could, if they lose that game, it's really hard to see this being a successful season. Yeah, and, you know, luckily for Penn State, you know, Minnesota doesn't have Tyler Johnson and Rashad Bateman, a wide receiver. Uh, like we said, they still have Tanner Morgan, but those two stud wide receivers that just – I remember watching that game in 2019. I'm like, these these guys are just having a day. And, of course, they're they're both in the league now. And Bateman might be the might be the number one receiver in Baltimore now with Hollywood Brown out. So, uh, yeah, I mean, they face some talent that day. They'll face some talent against Minnesota this year as well. And Soraka will certainly be out for, you know, revenge. Whether or not he'll get it, we'll, we'll see. Because I, I do think the strength – of this Penn State defense is in its secondary with Joey Porter Jr. And we like Daquan Hardy at nickel and Jair Brown is Jair Brown. Uh, we'll see where is a key Wheatley is at that point in his development in that season. You know, if, if he ultimately becomes the guy 
that replaces Jaquan Brisker opposite Brown. So uh, I think that could be a good matchup. Like, like we're talking about with Purdue and Aiden O'Connell, you know, like the secondary against Purdue's passing game. I think it'll be interesting to see how that secondary holds up. Talk about contrasting styles too. Michigan the week before, I mean, they're just going to want to run it 45 times and then you're going to open it up in theory with, with Minnesota. And, uh, but that is a huge game. And, uh, I, I wonder if that went into the thinking too of making that the whiteout game, considering where it is on the schedule that you didn't want, you know, Penn State coming in sleepwalking against a Minnesota in between the Michigan and Ohio State games. Uh, I know that uh, James Franklin always talks about bringing uh, their own juice, you know, players bringing their own juice. Well, that, that juice will be built in for that Minnesota game. They won't have to worry about that. So, yeah, you, you beat Minnesota. I think you're you're in line for the type of season that you would kind of expect or, or hope for. Obviously, every fan hopes for much more than maybe what is reasonable uh, sometimes. But uh, you beat Minnesota. I think you're on a you're on a good path. If you lose, you're you're on a disappointing one. All right, that he's John Gonigal. I'm Bob Flounders. Blue White Breakdown Podcast is officially wrapped. Johnny, I will see you up in State College in about six six and a half hours. Looking forward to it. And then this time next week, it'll be just about time to uh, get ready to go to that lovely, lovely. Uh, Borough. I don't know if it's a borough. Is West Lafayette a borough, a township? I don't know where Purdue plays, but I think West Lafayette is more of a vibe. We'll just call. We'll just leave it at that. We're gonna leave it at that. Thank God it's a night game. We maybe we'll have a couple cop cocktails the night before. I don't know, John. We'll see. But uh, that is the beauty of a night game. The beauty of a Thursday night game is the that means the following Saturday, you and I can uh, watch some college football. So I'm excited. That's it for this edition of the Blue White Breakdown podcast. We'll be back to talk to you guys later in the week. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live.